in the beginning, you might not have the confidence that it could happen, but you actually write it from the perspective that you do. You write about and detail your future self without regard for your current lack of confidence. You write about it just in the form of what would you want? What would you want to see happen? Or what would it, what would be amazing to see happen? You know, what would be amazing as a future self? What would that look like? Uh, not only what would you look like, but what would your situation look like? What would your relationships look like? What would your income look like? What would your environment look like? Like just taking the time to think about who you are and what you're up to and what you're focused on and why it matters to you. This is episode number 43 with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Podcasters Paradise. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you answer this question with hell yeah, now, this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the US, podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. Since I started podcasting, I knew I needed to invest in myself, learn more about podcasting, and surround myself with the best minds in the podcasting industry. This is how I became part of the number one online community for podcasters called Podcasters Paradise, created by John Lee Dumas, founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, one of the most successful top-ranked and award-winning podcasts. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility, and scale your impact and business, I highly recommend checking out Podcasters Paradise at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. That's again MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. You can also find the links on our show notes page at mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. If you have any questions after checking out the Podcasters Paradise page or you want to know more about my incredibly positive experiences with Podcasters Paradise, shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com or DM me on Instagram at tibor.mindsethorizon. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you and so without further ado, Let's dive into today's episode. My guest today is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And first off, let me know, you guys, that I enjoyed this conversation so much with Dr. Hardy, I could have listened to his incredible knowledge for hours. The topics that we talked about, identity and confidence, are just some of my favorites. And my sincere hope is that you will enjoy and find value in this conversation just as much as I did. And so in this episode, we talk about how identity is built and how framing your future self will lead you to ultimate success in life. Dr. Hardy explains why personality tests like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram are not just unscientific, but also harmful 
and how labels can negatively impact your identity and can lead to a fixed mindset and ultimately a mediocre life. At the end of the conversation, Dr. Hardy deconstructs what confidence is, how you can build it, and also develop a growth mindset so you can realize your full potential. And now a couple of words about today's guest. So Dr. Benjamin Hardy is an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of the book, Willpower Doesn't Work. His blogs have been read by over 100 million people and are featured on Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, Cheddar, Big Thing, and many others. He's a regular contributor to Inc. and Psychology Today, and from 2015 to 2018, he was the number one writer in the world on Medium.com. He and his wife, Lauren, adopted three children through the foster system in February 2018, and one month later, Lauren became pregnant with twins who were born in December of 2018. They live in Orlando, Florida. And now a couple of words about Dr. Hardy's brand new book, Personality Isn't Permanent, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewrite Your Story. Personality Isn't Permanent debunks the pervasive myths of personality that have captured pop culture. For example, personality tests like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram are not only psychologically destructive, but are no more scientific than horoscopes. Personality Isn't Permanent provides science-based strategies for reframing past memories, becoming the scribe of your identity narrative, upgrading your subconscious, and redesigning your environment. When you know the truth of personality, desired personal change can be dramatic and directed. When you don't, personality is something you seek to discover rather than create. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. So hi, Ben, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Thank you so much. Really happy to be with you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it and excited about this topic. One of my favorites uh, besides mindset and belief systems, but I think identity maybe is more important or rules everything. So I'm excited to dive into that topic. And um, your very new book is coming out, Personality Isn't Permanent, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewrite Your Story. And we are going to dive deeper into those topics as well. But before we do, I would love for you to talk to us a little bit more about yourself, your journey, story, and what is it that you do today? Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be with you and uh, grateful for anyone hearing these words. Anyways, yeah, I've had a great life, a great journey. Uh, It's been difficult and challenging, as many people's lives are. Uh, I think the biggest, not the biggest challenge, but a big challenge that I did face was at age 11, my parents got divorced and that divorce led my father to becoming a drug addict, which was a wild journey for several years. And it was a very confusing, difficult, painful time. But ultimately, it led me to learning how to deal with hard things. Uh, It also taught me a lot of empathy. Um, Since then, my father and I have become amazing friends. And he's overcome his challenges, although it was a very long time. (laughs) And we we had some dark days, many dark days. Um, I have a lot more empathy towards him as well. I've asked him, you know, we, we're now great friends and he's overcome his addictions. Um, and I've asked him over these years, I've wanted to know what his perspective was, which is essential to overcoming negative things. I've asked him, 
you know, tell me your perspective on this, dad. What led you to this? What, what was it like? You know, um, what was it like when your, your children abandoned you and things like that? And just getting his perspective really transformed my perspective and allows me to have a lot more empathy towards him, towards my former self. But, um, aside wow. from that, wow. I, I ultimately ended up deciding to go on a church mission at age about 20 because mm. I was really lost. Um, this was still in the midst of kind of all the confusion barely graduated high school, ended up serving a church mission and was just transformed through the experience. Um, I, I, yeah. It was a few years. I read literally dozens and dozens of books, filled stacks of journals, had great leaders, did a ton of community service. Just the experience really did flip me. And it was that experience really watching how fast I could transform as a person in a new role, new identity, new environment, new purpose. Um, even obviously the spiritual sides as well, connecting with God. But, um, that experience is really what led me into being interested in psychology is just watching how things could change. And so that's why I ended up studying psychology, getting my PhD. I think the, the other kind of interesting thing for people to know, obviously, aside from the fact that I've been a fairly successful author, but that, you know, the thing that interests people, you know, that's important in my story is, is that during the first year of my PhD program, my wife and I became foster parents of three kids. And we ended up having to fight the foster system in court for three years. Um, and this was in South Carolina. And we ended up adopting these kids, which was incredible, changes our lives. And then we actually ended up getting pregnant with twins a month after the adoption, which is kind of cliche. But then we had our twins. Wow. And so now we have five kids. We live in Orlando, Florida. We go to Disney a lot when it's not quarantine. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of our <laughs> lives, man. We, we, I write and I have five kids and I try to live a simple life. Yeah, so great to hear that. I mean, that's that's a huge transformation. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing. I have never shared that before, but actually when I was 11, my parents got divorced and I went through difficult times. So I kind of like resonate with your story. That's really interesting. And I also wanted to ask you, what is it that you focus on uh, when it comes to research? So you wrote the book, Willpower Doesn't Work, uh, a best-selling book and what is it that you focus on when it comes to research? Um, how did you, you know, come up with this new book, Personality Isn't Permanent? What are some of your focus areas? I really write about the things that are interesting to me. I write about the things that excite me, uh, the things that I want to know. Uh, when I first started blogging online, you know, for example, I started blogging online in 2015. And I wanted to write about, you know, people. I wanted to learn about transformation. I wanted to learn about... Uh, making choices and decisions and moving forward in your life. I mean, those things were just powerful and interesting to me, especially given my, my experience kind of changing my own life. And so those are kind of the guiding principles. But when it comes to specific topics, I'm always just kind of curious and digging around and trying to find new perspectives. Like there's a quote that I really like. <laughs> the quote is from Robert Kiyosaki, actually. And he said that intelligence is the ability to make finer distinctions. Uh, finer distinctions is basically just seeing things differently, you know, being able to fine grade the perspectives, because I think it's easy to have overly simplistic perspectives, to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, and just to kind of see things the way other people see them. But if you really study and if you really, you can really tra tra train your mind to see finer grains and finer perspectives. And so I'm always just digging and searching, kind of like I'm excavating for like, you know, like fossils or something. But for me, I'm just studying ideas. Um, yeah. As far as yeah. willpower doesn't work, the reason I wrote that book is in, and I wrote it during 2017. That was in the midst of us um, trying to adopt our kids. And mm -hmm. so it was, you know, at that point that I had already watched their lives change so much because we put them in a new environment. And I had already watched my life change so much because I had been in, you know, we had 
we now had this new situation or new context with these three kids. And so that was really real to me also in the midst of studying psychology, which is so fundamentally about context being more important Mm -hmm. than content. And so Mm -hmm. I just decided I want to write a book about environment and about the science behind why willpower is not the right approach to, you know, it's not the right focus and about how environment and context are more important and more powerful. And so that was why Mm -hmm. I wrote that book. Wow, that's that's really amazing. And I'm amazed by your work because as I was going through and I, as I was doing my research, right? So I was like, this is what I want to focus on in the future. And some of my experiences fit very much into this picture. Like I moved out to Germany. I lived in Austria. So at that time I used to work as an architect, but I had this realization that the environment itself and the culture had a huge impact on my mindset and on my identity, I would say. And when it comes to identity and when you talk about environment and how uh, actions and behaviors can change your identity, it's really interesting. And I want to dive deeper into this topic. So, you know, I always ask myself this question, how is identity built? A lot of times I think about confidence, how is confidence built? And so I transitioned from architecture to, let's say, coaching or personal development because I took a coach training program at Ericsson International, but I didn't study psychology and such. So I didn't go that deep. But with this podcast, my mission, so to speak, is to help entrepreneurs really develop their mindset and identity in order to become successful at whatever they want to achieve, right? So in that sense, this topic is really, really, really important. And so how is identity built? Uh, How is confidence built? How can we support entrepreneurs, you know, to be better? Such a gorgeous question. Uh, I literally wrote an article on this this morning. Um, Wow. Yeah, I literally did. Um, I mean, it's something that's been on my mind a lot. I mean, it's a fundamental aspect of personality isn't permanent. But Mm. um, if you if you if you Google (laughs) how to rebuild confidence in difficult times, uh, you will find an article on medium.com that I literally published this morning about identity and confidence. But I'll just I'll just I'll quickly I'll quickly explain it. Uh, And obviously, I'm not, you know, I don't have all of the answers at all, but I have I have some answers that I think are useful. Um, there's a few ways to look at identity, uh, and there's a few ways to build it, and there's a few ways, kind of that it works. One is is um, so there's a theory called the theory of narrative identity, uh, and basically it's the it's the explanation that our de- our identity is based on the stories that we tell about ourselves. Um, so like we tell stories not based on factual events, but more based on our feelings and more based on our our perspectives about our past, our present, and our future. And so the stories we construct and narrate about ourselves is one of the more, more one of the most crucial aspects of our identity. And there's actually a lot of research on entrepreneurship and about how every, mm-hmm. everyone who becomes an entrepreneur has to eventually go through the identity transition of then explaining themselves as an entrepreneur. You go through that process yes. of yes. beginning to say, start to say it, like I, I'm an entrepreneur. You have to like kind of go through that process. And the sooner you begin to own that new story and begin to tell it to everybody and just to kind of start to see yourself as that person and to explain why you do it that way. Um, That's a big one. One other crucial aspect of identity when it comes to storytelling, obviously, and if we want, we can go into it, but there's the reframing of former experiences, like reframing trauma as an example, but fundamentally and more importantly, it is the framing of your future self. There's a lot of really important research these days on identity, especially as it relates to your future self. 
And first and foremost, it's important to know that your future self is not who you are today. Your future self, just like your former self, are two, they're different people. You're not the same person you were five years ago. You're not the same person you even were a year ago. Your future self is the same. Your future, your future self is not who you are today. Um, they're going to see the world differently. They're going to be in a different situation. Uh, if you're, if you become a successful entrepreneur, you know, like as an example, if you're not one yet and your future self is a successful (laughs) entrepreneur, I'll promise you that they see the world very differently than you see it today. They're in a different situation. They're dealing with different obstacles. Um, they have different priorities, different preferences. And so the first step of identity when it comes to like really constructing it consciously Mm -hmm. is to really frame out your future self. Like, who do you plan to be? Who do, who do you want to be? What is, what is that person's circumstances, their characteristics? How much money do they make? Like just literally defining out the context and the identity of your future self. That's, that's essential because what the research shows is two really important things. One is if you don't have a clear future self in mind, then it's actually impossible to make quality decisions here and now. Like, think about it. Mm -hmm. If you don't know who you're trying to be or where you're trying to go, then how can you actually make deliberate and conscious decisions today? Like if you have no future, then it really doesn't matter what you do today. You can't make thoughtful choices. And so decision-making is based on what you want to be or who you want to be or where you want to go. And the more clear you get on that, the better decisions you can make here and now. You can actually make decisions based on what your future self would want and what your future self would prefer versus what you would want or what your former self would want. So that's one thing. This is then where story and identity or just kind of imagination and even storytelling becomes action. Um, Mm. So obviously you then need to start acting towards your future self. And that's, and this, this would be my last thought and then we'll go back and forth, but there's a lot of research on what's called the, the, you know, one, sorry, the 10,000 hour rule, you know, so Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hour rule, Um, but this came from research from Anders Ericsson, who was a psychologist who studied high performance for about, I think two or three decades. And what that, where the 10,000 hour rule came from is really a concept called deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is basically, so, so it's, it's, it's about a certain type of practice or a certain type of training. So like you don't, you can't just do something for 10 out 10,000 hours and expect that it's going to transform you. Like you could do a lot of people, you know, for example, they go to the gym and do the exact same workout every single day. And like, they're not actually getting better. They're just essentially just doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's not actually what leads to transformation. Um, Mm. Deliberate practice is where you're actually striving and acting as and towards your future self. Like you're actually, so you have, so in order to engage in the type of learning and change and growth and process that become, that, that leads to something specific and purposeful or something deliberate, you have to have a clear future self in mind. You can't actually go through the process of becoming something specific without a clear future self in mind. And that's what the research shows. And so I think that once you have that clear future self, then you need to go through the process of becoming that. And that's where you start acting as and working towards and getting feedback and getting training and mentoring and failing and learning. Like that's, that's how you then become your future self. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm a, I'm a huge believer of this concept and I really liked your TEDx talk because uh, one of, in one of the talks you talk about this to some extent and also entrepreneurs and uh, entrepreneurs, you interviewed some of these people. And I was just wondering because you know, I do this because I believe in this. I mentally rehearse my future self, so to speak, during meditation and such things. But for some people, it might be a little bit woo-woo, right? So meditation, I don't know, especially maybe for entrepreneurs, not sure. But, you know, when we talk about this frame out future self, right? So how can someone do this? Because sometimes, and and obviously this is coming from what I learned 
um, from NLP, the neurological levels, that when we, you know, envision ourselves or visualize our future self, I want to see myself on different levels. So I want to see my identity, uh, my beliefs, how I behave, what I do, what is the environment and all those levels. So how can someone, you know, picture this future self or maybe put it down? What are some ways to do it? Yeah. I mean, I think journaling is a great place to start. So what what they say, you know, there's some good research on this as well, is that the number one regret that people have on their deathbed is that... Wow. They didn't live, you know, they didn't have the courage to be who they wanted to be. And instead they lived up to the expectations that they thought other people had. Yeah. So I think that there's another quote from Dan Sullivan and he's the founder of strategic coach, the number one coaching company in the world for entrepreneurs. But one of the things that he mm-hmm. says is that all progress starts by telling the truth. And so I think journaling is a great place to start as far as telling yourself the truth about who you want to be and what you want to do. You know, if it's to be a successful entrepreneur, yeah. and by the way, what you want right now is not what your future self is going to want. And also what you want right now is something you can train and develop. You can actually really fuel your, your desires. You can, you can train yourself to want essentially anything. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's thinking about what should I want or what could I want? And if it's to be a successful entrepreneur, if it's to become someone who's doing really good work, making great money, has freedom, but is also doing very important, interesting things, mm-hmm. you can train your, you know, and this is part of developing confidence, but you can train yourself to become that person and to want that thing. Um, and so it's literally just, you know, being honest with yourself about what, what you want and then taking the time to to construct it and develop it a little bit, you know, rather than just, yeah, I would like to be an entrepreneur and not thinking about it beyond that. It's like, no, you have to do more than that. Let's Let's look at this for a little bit. And this isn't about you wanting what other people want. This isn't just, this is about you really genuinely thinking about what would you like your life to look like? Like, you know, as an example, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good to have role models. It's good to have role models that kind of point the way to some degree. But then, at some point or another, you have to. You have. You're not going to be exactly someone else. You know. So I, for example, when I was beginning writing, there were several role models of mine where I'm like, I love what they're doing. I would like to be doing something similar. But at the same time, I know that what I'm actually going to be doing is going to be also different because. I have different perspectives and I have a different identity, you know, like I I don't want to do it exactly how they're doing it because I also have different goals and perspectives that they don't have. And so I want to do it my way, but I can use them as, as guiding posts to at least get myself started. But you, you need to really be honest about what you believe matters about what you believe would be important or useful to be doing. And, And then think about it in terms of, you know, in the beginning, you might not have the confidence that it could happen, but you actually write it from the perspective that you do. You write, you write about and detail your future self without regard for your current lack of confidence. You write about it just in the form of what would you want? What would you want mm-hmm. to see happen? Or what would it, what would be amazing to see happen? You know, what would be amazing as a future self? What would that look like? Uh, not only what would you look like, but what would your situation look like? What would your relationships look like? What would your income look like? What would your environment look like? Like just taking the time to think about who you are and what you're up to and what you're focused on and why it matters to you. One important aspect is is that this is fluid. I think this is why writing in your journal every day is so crucial. Even if it's just for five minutes, just it, it gives you the time to think about it. It gives you the time to reflect on it, to imagine, to write about it. And as you write about it, you begin to think about it a little bit more and want it a little bit more. So I would say, don't think that it's a one-time process. It's a continual process and it's an adaptive and a, and a, and a fluid process, but give yourself the time to imagine. I mean, so there's a Harvard psychologist. His name is Daniel Gilbert. He wrote, a, he had a great Ted talk by the way, but he's done a lot of great research. His, his Ted talks only like seven minutes long, six, seven minutes long. It's called the psychology of your future self. 
There's a lot of research on this. This is not woo woo. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not woo woo at all. This is very much very fundamental to identity. And so, just as an example, the first thing he does yeah. is he asks people to comprehend the changes that they've already made. You know, so he'll ask people, "Are you the exact same person you were ten years ago? Ten years ago?" And what most people say is, "Of course not. Like I'm absolutely not the same person." People who have actually been striving for growth and change really aren't the same person they were ten years ago. But then he asks, "Well, what about your future self? Are you going to be?" a totally different person in the future. Mm -hmm. And what he finds is that people who even can quit, people who can obviously see big change from who they once were, mm -hmm. they underplay the change that might happen in the future. And the reason for that, there's two quotes he has that are super important. He says that human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That we think we're finished. We think that who we are right now is who we are. That's not true. Yeah, wow. <laughs> your future self is different yeah. from who you are. Your big problem is, is that you're overly holding too tight who you think you are right now, rather than holding that more loosely so that you can be flexible and become who you want to be. The other thing that Gilbert says is that the reason people don't imagine, or the reason that people don't predict their future very well is because they spend too much of their time remembering the past rather than imagining the future. Mm -hmm. And so that's the crucial wow. part is you got to take the time to imagine your future, to think about your future self, and then to use that as your benchmark for decision-making and deliberate practice. Wow, that's really powerful. <laughs> and um, what I wanted to dive into is because to shift those paradigms, uh, to shift the paradigms of the listeners a little bit. So in the book, you talk about personality tests and why they don't work and why they lead to fixed mindset. And you talked about how we can have a fixed mindset about our identity or personality. So can we dive a little bit deeper there? Maybe also talking about growth mindset and the science behind change. I would love to. I would love to explain to your audience why personality yeah. tests like Myers and Briggs and Enneagram mm. are garbage. <laughs> I'd love to explain this because it's so interesting and it's so interesting because these are such pop culture yes. ways of looking at personality and they're actually, um, they're based on a completely incorrect premise about what personality is. Um, so let me, I'll explain really quickly just the, the pop culture view of personality and then I'll explain why these tests are terrible and about why these tests lead to a fixed mindset and a mm. rigid identity. And, a, yeah. and then a, ultimately a mediocre life, which is sad. Um, yes, yeah. So, so here's the, here's kind of a traditional way of looking at personality, which I'll say at the beginning is non-scientific. It's just not mm -hmm. how personality really works. But this is kind of a traditional way of looking at it. Personality is viewed as who you are. It's viewed as innate. It's viewed as unchangeable. You are who you are, and it's kind of who you're always going to be. If you're an introvert, you're always going to be an introvert. Um And because yeah. your personality is innate and because it's unchangeable for the most part, your job as a person is to discover yourself. You've got to discover your true personality because if you don't, then you're never going to know who you really are. And so one, and so this is one of the reasons why personality tests are exciting is because they'll, they'll help you discover who you really are. They'll explain to you who you are. And so once you've discovered your true self, you can then go and pursue goals and you can create relationships and you can build your life around your true self. That's kind of the common cliche of looking at things. It's also, it's a view that people are kind of hardwired at birth and that they are who they are and that their personality is just who they are and it's not based on other things. That's that's a very um, common and general way of looking at things. And you hear it in pop culture all the time. You hear people talking about finding themselves, discovering themselves, finding their passion. Um, it's just wow. not really how it yeah. works. Um, 
you know, personality changes over time, whether you think, whether you try to or not. Um, and so what, so I'll talk a little bit about the research on personality tests. So what the research shows is that if you take the same test twice mm-hmm. and, and it's in a really close period of time and it's under the same circumstances, you're probably gonna get a similar score, but the further and further and further away you go on these tests, the less correlated they'll be. So there's, there's what's called longitudinal research and longitudinal research is basically where a single group of people is studied over a long period of time. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. There's been studies though on personality that have spanned 70 years where people back in Ireland who took personality tests literally 70 years ago, (laughs) this like back when they were teenagers, they've recently taken the same personality measures today or like in the last year or two and their personalities were completely non-correlated, non-correlated at all. Like just not even close. Um, wow. None of them. Like, and that was honestly wow. a big surprise to the researchers because they had the perspective that personality is pretty consistent and stable over time. But it was like so radically the opposite. Um, but there's other research as well. And, and, and it doesn't have to be 70 years. 70 years is just an example that you're not going to die the same person you were born. But it can happen a lot shorter. I mean, even in a year, if something big happens to you, you're going to have some pretty big change in how you view and define yourself. But there's other research that's also super important. And this is talking about the situation in which you take these tests. So one study took two groups and they, in one of the groups took the same personality test two times over a short period of time. Maybe they took the test once and they took the test again a week or two later. And, and for that group, it was the same person who gave them the test, the same test administrator. And in those situations, and, and it was not very long, you know, it was like a week or two. And it was the same person giving the test. The people got pretty similar scores on both personality tests. And it was the same test. Well, the other group took the same personality test and in the same time interval. So it was maybe a week or two. They took it, they took the test once and they took it again a few weeks later. But the only difference was is that it was two separate test administrators. In the first one, someone gave them a test. And in the second test, a couple weeks later, someone different gave them the personality test. And just by that one little difference in circumstance, the tests were pretty much non-correlated. Like basically people answered the tests totally differently and their first score and their second score were non-correlated, meaning they totally answered the test radically different just because there was someone different giving them the test. (laughs) And so this kind of goes into the science of it. So when I was getting my PhD in organizational psychology, I spent a lot of time studying what's called psychometrics and psychometrics is essentially how scientists develop tests and validate those tests. And in order for something to be good science, the test has to be what's called valid and reliable. Valid means that it's actually studying what it says it's studying. Reliable mm-hmm. means that it gets the same results consistently. You know, it's not a reliable test if it's if it, if it doesn't keep producing the same results. <laughs> like if you can't yeah, keep finding yeah. the same thing, then it's not a reliable test. It's not good. <laughs> well, my, yeah. uh, my professors over and over and over and over told me that, you know, they were laughing actually. It was like one of the most consistent things I heard is, is that tests like Myers and Briggs and Enneagram and stuff like that, just popular personality tests, they're not, they're not science, they're not scientific. Uh, <laughs> they're not, they're not valid. And they're not reliable. They're just garbage science, to be honest with you. They're, they're, wow. um, but here's, wow. here's why they really matter. And it goes back to now our, our core subject, which is identity. Here's the problem with these tests. Aside from the fact that they're just not good, they're not things that you should really pay too much attention to they actually create major problems with people's, people's identity. I'll first explain why people love them. <laughs> okay, so there's a reason people love these tests. It's because if you haven't taken a lot of time to clarify your identity narrative, if you haven't really taken the time to frame your, your past and your future, if you're not clear on your future self as an example, and if you're not committed to that future self, and if you haven't taken the time to reframe your traumas and really gotten 
decent at, at, at explaining yourself. If you haven't gotten self-aware through journaling and other things and just through moving forward towards goals. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, most people haven't spent too, too much time becoming clear on who they are. And so these tests give them an identity. You take a test, let's just say it's Myers-Briggs and you get a score back. I'm an ENTJ or whatever it is. You now have an identity. You now have a way to explain yourself. And that's really helpful for psychology because it's it's not an enjoyable experience to not be able to know who you are. <laughs> it's not fun to feel, you know, unclear and to not be able to explain yourself to others. And so these tests give people a fast food version of an Id- identity. Um, you get a kind of a really cheap version of an identity where it's like, yeah, I'm this and I can explain, and then you can explain yourself and it feels good to be able to explain yourself and relate to other people. Um, a big problem with doing this is that you then believe that the score you got is true. <laughs> you, you know, you, you believe yeah. that whatever that score is, that that's who you really are, that that's the true you, that it's accurate and it's not, wow. it's not accurate. Um, so I'll, I'll explain a little bit of the research from Ellen Langer at Harvard. So she's studied mindfulness for about 40 years. She's really brilliant. I recommend her book mindfulness and I recommend her book counterclockwise. But what mm-hmm. she finds is this, when people overly adopt a label, it could be anything. It could be ENTJ. It could be depressed. What she's found is, is that when you overly assume a label and a definition of yourself, then you become very mindless, mindless to all of the times when the label is not true. You don't notice when the label is inaccurate. And actually, and actually, it's inaccurate most of the time. So for example, if someone believes they're depressed, they're going to believe that they're always depressed. What they're not going to see and what they're not going to notice is the fact that they're actually happy and just calm and not sad a lot of the time, even in a, even in a single day. But they won't notice that because they're, they see the world through the lens of their identity, which is through their label. And so let me just explain this in a really simple way so that you're, because I think your listeners will totally get this. Yeah. In psychology, we call it selective attention. So if you buy a car, if you buy a car, you start to see that car everywhere. I don't know if you've had that experience before. I don't know if they have. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like if you buy a car, you start to see that car everywhere. But guess what you don't see? You don't see all of the other cars. You don't know, even notice them. There's hundreds of other cars, but the only ones you you start to see are the ones that you, you're driving. Oh, yeah, there's another. I just bought a Mini Cooper, or I just got it. You know, I just got a Mini Cooper. And um, <laughs> I now see Mini Coopers everywhere. But guess what I don't see? I don't see all of the other cars. I don't see Tundras. I don't see trucks. I don't see all of these other cars because I'm not paying attention to those. That's exactly what having a label does. You only see the car you're driving or the label that you've chosen. You don't see the hundreds of other cars or the other, la- or the other things. And so labels create tunnel vision. They make you just see the world through the label. And the other big problem is this, aside from the fact that you think the label is always true, which it's not, is that, so the label is not always true. You know, if you think you're an ENTJ, you're actually not always an ENTJ. You might be in some situations and, and, and in those situations, you'll really notice it just like you really notice your car. What you won't notice is all the, all of the other situations or contexts where you're not that person. Um, and this is why context matters more than content. But the only other, the, the, the other big, big, big problem with these tests and with just having too strong of a label and overly identifying with your current self is that what most people do when they have a label that they really genuinely believe in, they then use that label as the basis for their goals. They then set goals to confirm the label. So if you really call yourself an, an introvert and you must really, you just have to see yourself that way, then you're going to try to create a life that confirms that bias rather than choosing a future self who you want to be. You're going to choose a future that confirms who you think you currently are. 
Wow. That is so powerful and so many. Very destructive for identity, my friend. Very destructive. It leads to a fixed mindset on steroids. Yes. So that's what I wanted to ask. Like these labels, because I have never liked those tests, to be honest with you. So anyone who's interested in growth wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because I felt that, you know, that defines who I am. Right. So, and I didn't want to have that experience, to be honest with you. So like, like really one label, right? So I just didn't feel good about that, but you know, I didn't know what's, what's the, what the science was behind that. So, so thank you so much for sharing. This is really, really interesting and powerful. So it leads to a fixed mindset and what happens when we have this growth mindset, because there are some science as well. If you can, if you could tap into that a little bit, like you know, how to change because we can change and what are some uh, things there that we should know about? Yeah, I mean, a fixed mindset is basically the belief that you can't change. It's based on the mm-hmm. belief that you you can't get better at certain things. So it's like if you if you really identify as an introvert, just as an example, you're going to believe that you can't get better at being social. <laughs> you know, like you just, you, yeah. and so one of the key things kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, which is the recognition that you're actually not the same person you were before. You're not the person you used to be and and in the future, you're not going to be the person you are today. And so as a result, what you need to understand is that your current self is basically just a, is is basically a snapshot and it's not permanent. Your current self is not permanent. Basically who you are right now is just based on your current situation and your current identity. Um, And so because your current self is not the finished product, again, Daniel Gilbert said it great. He said, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. It's important to realize that you're not finished. Your future self, especially if you start to really frame that out and think about it, will be very different than you are today. They can be different. If you, Mm -hmm. your future self can be in a lot of ways who you aspire to be. They can have characteristics and attributes you don't currently have. They can be in a situation you don't currently have. I mean, this is really how you achieve any goal. Um, I mean, if you want to learn how to make $100,000 or a million dollars, you have to start to want to be that person and then learn how to do it. I mean, and I can say this from experience. A couple years ago, I was a graduate student making no money. Like I've, I've learned how to make millions of dollars. Like I can say that. And it's not because I had it in me. It's because I chose to become that person. And, and me speaking and teaching me talking to you about psychology. It's not like I've always known these things. Like when I was 19 years old, I knew nothing about psychology. I was living on my cousin's couch playing World of Warcraft all day. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know how to read a textbook. I dropped out of community college my first time trying because I, it was too hard. I couldn't read textbooks. And so all I'm saying to you is, first off, it's okay to let go of who you used to be because you're not that person anyways. But it's also important to realize that you can transform in radical ways and that your future self can be and should be fundamentally different than you are today. And this isn't to say that you're a bad person today. It's just to say that you, you're, you're, you're limited by your own perspective. Like as an example, I, I know, you know, even just two or three years ago when we were first having our foster kids for the first year or two, I really didn't like it, to be honest with you. Like it was such a hard adjustment for me as a graduate student and as someone who was so Mm. used to having all the freedom to do whatever I wanted with my time to all of a sudden having these three really demanding and really difficult and challenging kids. I mean, it was a huge adjustment. And Mm -hmm. I had to learn and it was because I valued it. I wanted to become someone who loved those kids. I wanted to become someone who was a great father. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was, and and I I believed it was something worth valuing. And so then I trained myself to, to value it and to want it and to love it. 
my preferences, as an example, and your personality has a lot to do with your preferences. What you prefer mm -hmm. now is not exactly what you used to prefer. You know, when you were mm -hmm. 10 years ago, you wanted different things. You thought other things were interesting. Yeah. Your future self yeah. prefers other things as well. And, and this is, and then you should start to, this is where you start to live intentionally is what would they want? What's, what's important to them? What, what, and, and, and you have to own the fact that right now you're not that person, you know? So just as an example, again, two or three years ago, I didn't prefer probably, th probably at this point, like three years ago. I mean, and it wasn't me all the time, but a lot of me didn't want to go come home. I just didn't prefer it. It was difficult. Um, I just didn't want to come home to these kids, <laughs> not because I didn't you know, love them in many degrees, but it was just like difficult. But now I want that more than anything. I want to go home and I want to be with them and stuff. And so I've, I've, be, I, I'm a different person with different priorities and different perspectives than I used to have. And, and when you know this, then you can realize that your future self is going to be a different perspective with different priorities and preferences than you now have. And so part of that then is, is to not hold your current identity so tight. Your current self is quite limited. How you see the world right now is quite limited. Um, your future self is probably going to see the world hopefully better, especially if you move forward, if you learn a lot, if you make some great decisions, your future self is going to be in a much better position and they're going to be able to make better decisions and have better priorities and be more powerful and more courageous. And so if that's true, then don't overly own your current self. Instead, really define your future self and then make that your identity narrative. You know, start to tell people. This is this is where you start to put it into rubber into the road. Is once you've defined it, you start telling everyone who you plan to be. Yes, you're not that person now. You're not going to perfectly be that person. But if you start telling everyone about who you plan to be, then you'll start to better have a view of your own identity. Your your words will shape your goals, um, and you'll be able to have a clear sense of who you are. And your words will match your desires. And then your environment will start to shift. Your environment will start to shift where you begin to you know, it's like that quote from Zig Ziglar, your input shapes your outlook. You'll start to study things to become better at your, you know, to, to learn how to become your future self. You know, for example, when I wanted to become a professional writer, I started to study how to be a blogger. I started to learn how to write. And, and, but also I started to surround myself with people who are doing that and with mentors who could help me. And so when you start telling everyone about your goals, then your environment starts to build it, itself around those goals. Um, and you start to, you start to then feel committed and confident to be consistent behaviorally with your future self and you stop being so attached to who you once were. <laughs> it is so amazing, you know. I uh, I am impressed, and you know, I'm I'm on this journey of personal development, whatever it is, however we want to call it. <laughs> but I started about four years ago, and that's why I'm laughing because you know, at that time I used to work in Germany in architecture. I used the German language to work there as an architect. And I just had this vision, right? So I was always a big fan of the English language, so I'm not a native speaker, but I wanted to master this language. And I saw myself as a speaker in the future, my future self. And I decided to move towards that future reality, right? So I decided to focus on English instead of focusing on uh, German or, or English, both because I was like... Uh, one language is easier to master than two, so uh, you need to, you know, use those languages uh, very actively to be good at them. So, and I had these visions, right? So I decided I want to master English. I want to be a speaker. I want to be on this constant personal development journey. And so I started to take action steps. And everything that you talk about is, it's just this process that I went through. And um, and you can apply the process to whatever degree you want, right? I mean, if you want to 
apply it at even more extreme degrees you can right it's just it is just the process yeah and then and i think i'm learning that because you know and that's why identity is so interesting to me that how can i develop and get into this most powerful state so that i can move toward that identity or yeah so it's it's a it's a huge question and that is why i thought about confidence as well but maybe that's going to be <laughs> another episode i don't know I can briefly explain confidence. It's a, it is yeah. a big conversation, but let me just briefly explain because confidence is is, is yes. crucial. Confidence is very, very, very crucial. Yes, let's do it. All right. So let me explain two aspects of confidence. One is when you have a negative experience and you don't get the support you need. For example, trauma. Mm -hmm. Trauma shatters confidence and imagination. So confidence, in a lot of ways, has to do with flexibility, being flexible, being willing to jump into situations and figure them out. Um, believing that you can figure them out. So like the more confident you are, the more, the more, dis if you're confident, you know, and obviously it's not like you just either have it or you don't, it's, it's a scale, you know, like he, he, you can get be better and better and better and at it, or you can lose some of it. It's fragile, but, um, mm -hmm. the size of your future self is literally based on the size of your confidence. So like the, your confidence is your belief that you can, you know, handle situations and your belief that you can learn things and that your belief that you can achieve goals. And so if you, if you don't believe you can do, you know, achieve goals as an example, and by the way, if you have my book, um, which I think you might, I explain yeah. how confidence shapes your goals. Um, and obviously your goals are a reflection of your identity in the future. But um, in order to build confidence, you need to make proactive steps towards your future self even if that's not pure, purely defined, like you have to make steps towards goals, even if they're small steps, they're intentional steps in the direction you genuinely want to go as you do that, even small steps. And as you watch yourself do things that you want to do, you start to build self-trust. And then that grows your confidence, which allows you to grow your future. You know, like literally your imagination, the thing that you use to frame out goals is based upon your confidence. And so confidence is just the belief that you can do things. And, and, and it's something that you build through practice. You know, that's what deliberate practice really is, is, is it's building your confidence by watching yourself do things. I mean, every time you do a podcast, you'll have more confidence that you can do it, um, mm. you know, you know and it, because you've watched yourself do it and, you, and then you'll try things, you know, you'll try new things and you'll experiment and you'll explore. And, and so confidence is just the building of you so that you can be someone who can powerfully make decisions and move towards what you want so that you can set goals and, and then go through the process of learning them. And so confidence is just, it's crucial to doing that. And it's easily destroyed. Um, yeah. You know, like bad experiences can, can crush your confidence. Um, things that happen maybe that are outside your control or failures along the way. Like sometimes if you, you know, like let's just say, like there's a, there's a lot of research in the world of, uh, of math, you know, math and how people, you know, how people get good at math and stuff like that. And there's a lot of research on what's called math trauma. And essentially, math trauma occurs when someone, you know, and by the way, I would say probably most, most, at least Americans uh, have math trauma. Yeah. Um, and so basically what happens is, is something occurred. It could have been that someone told you you're not good at it. You failed a test. Um, you just, you, you couldn't figure out a problem. But essentially what you did is, is something slightly negative happened and you weren't able to work through it. And as a result, you 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 created a narrative around it so they call it a cognitive commitment but you also it's kind of an identity thing you have a bad experience and then you have a narrative that comes up that says i can't do this anymore or i'm not good at this or i guess this is as good as i'll ever be at this or i'm just not good at math like you literally form an identity and then because of that you now have a fixed mindset 
And, and the, the, the problem with trauma or just in, in trauma, this is why trauma is so important is because it's not just huge things. It's little things. It's little, mm-hmm. it, it's like if you, if you, if you mess up, you know, and then you, and then you believe it and you just, you, you're defined by that one failure or mistake or situation, that's trauma. And basically what it leads you to being is very inflexible, inflexible and rigid. Basically that's what trauma is, is it's emotional rigidity. You're, you're, you're rigid and you're non, uh, imaginative. And so you're not willing to learn and learning requires flexibility. And so having a a growth mindset, you know, grows as you take small steps in the right direction, you start to believe you can change and grow more. That's flexibility, imagination, and confidence is the belief that you can change. And so it's just, it's something you've got to continue to garner and you do it through practice. You do it through just trying and saying, journaling and and visualizing and clarifying yourself and then moving in that direction, builds your confidence and your commitment to the point where your confidence allows you to try things that are way above. So there's a quote actually from Dan Sullivan, which I love. He says, personal confidence is built by making progress towards goals that are above your current capabilities. So right now your current self doesn't have certain capabilities, you know, you know, like my current self doesn't have some of the skills that my future self really needs (laughs) that I want my future self to have. And the only way for me to become that person is to build the confidence through making progress towards goals that are above my current capabilities. My current self is not there. But if I start making progress towards goals that are way above my current capabilities, I'll start to build that confidence and I'll start to be able to develop those capabilities. Wow. I think I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing. It's been a huge pleasure, my friend. It's been a, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for letting me be on your show. I hope that this was useful to you and your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to make sure that uh, we talk about your website where people can find out more about you. Yeah. So right now, the thing we're really talking about here is personality isn't permanent. And um, this is the book that's just coming out. Uh, it's coming out with Penguin Random House, one of the big publishers in New York. It's it's honestly, a, in my opinion, you know, and I'm not just saying this out of ego, like I genuinely have been studying this for years. I think that this is probably one of the best self-improvement books that's ever been written. And it took me a long time. Um, and I'm just saying like, I, I, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this is going to blow your listeners' minds. And uh, this will really show you how... Mm-hmm how how you've become who you've become and it's not because it's just who you are and how you can proactively become who you'd like to be and as you make those changes you're going to keep evolving as a person and uh it's going to blow your mind my my website is benjaminhardy.com and uh mm-hmm. if you pre-order the book or if you just buy the book if you go to my website you can read my blog posts and things like that but also you can get a bunch of free online courses i've gotten you know extra courses on personalities and permanent, just expanding the ideas in the book, but also blogging courses that I've sold for thousands of dollars, which I'll give for free for anyone who buys the book, teaching how I've been able to become a professional blogger and author and writer. So, um, but if anything, just get the book. It'll, it'll really change your life. Wow. Ben, this is incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a huge pleasure to talk to you. It's been a blessing to me, my friend. You have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you soon. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation. So please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show. And don't forget to subscribe as well. 
For more information about Minds at Horizon, simply visit our website, mindsathorizon.com, and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips, and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends. <laughs>